0: good morning second baptist all who are joining us via the medium of facebook and however you are watching us to join me in a word of prayer father we thank you for the opportunity to worship you from wherever we are this morning our kitchen tables our bedrooms our dining rooms our living room wherever we may be we say thank you for life we say thank you for the ability to go forward in praise and worship now father let the words of my mouth the meditation of my heart be deemed acceptable In thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. This morning, I want to speak to you just for a brief few moments from the topic of surviving quarantine, surviving quarantine. If you would look in your Bibles to Exodus chapter 12, verse 13, as well as verses 22 through 23, you will find these words. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and touch the lintel and the two doorposts and with the blood that is in the basin, none of you shall go out on the, of the door of his house until the morning for the Lord will pass through to strike, the Egyptians, and when he sees the blood on the lintel. And on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your houses to strike you. The words have been seemingly inadequate to describe the state of our current dilemma in America and across the world. One virus, COVID-19, coronavirus, has literally gripped the world and caused all of humanity to cease. The United States now tops the globe with known cases exceeding 100,000 and 1,000 plus deaths. These statistics coupled with the uncertainty among families and communities only worsens with inconsistent guidelines from the federal government and states, adding to human fear and concern. It's in moments like this when our minds begin to consider inconceivable possibilities and outcomes all the while remaining hopeful and optimistic of the days ahead. Because the reality is, while this strand of coronavirus is unknown, causing us to adjust our lives, it's not the first time we've faced a crisis nor been admonished to quarantine. The Spanish, the Spanish flu of 1918 is noted as the deadliest health pandemic in history. Worldwide, the Spanish flu killed some 25 million people, and some researchers placed the death toll as high as 100 million. The United States lost somewhere between 500,000 to 600,000 people. And like today, schools, churches, non-essential businesses, and places of entertainment were closed. Funerals were restricted to graveside services. Usual or large gatherings were prohibited as families were urged to commune together in their houses and pray for relief. We can all recall moments in life where we've battled an illness or and were given the instructions to stay inside and just sweat it out. Others can think about times when our parent, our guardian instructed us to stay inside because it's just too dangerous to go out there right now. The concept exercising a needed time of temporary social distancing isn't new because quarantine stretches back even further in history. The 12th chapter of Exodus is an introductory course on surviving quarantine. God gives Moses clear instructions to relay to the people of Israel amid the time known as Passover. The Lord tells Moses each household is to obtain a lamb on the 10th day of the month. Kill the lamb at twilight on the 14th day. Take some of the blood and put it on two doorposts and lintel of the house for their feast. They shall eat and await the Passover. At that time, I, the Lord, will see the blood and pass over you and no plague will befall you to destroy you. With these very instructions, Moses returns to the people. And in verses 21 through 23, he instructs them on how to survive quarantine admonishing them to take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and touch the lentil and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. None of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning for the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lentil and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your houses to strike you. Like the children of Israel, we are merely trying to survive amid a global health pandemic. No, we don't have to kill a lamb and place blood on our doorposts, for Jesus Christ has shed his blood for us, which is still at work in the earth. Yet the reality is quarantine is still at hand. What do you do when Passover seemingly reemerges in 2020? What do you do when social distancing is ordered to survive the time at hand? Saints, we must do three things. Number one, we must apply the solution, adhere to the command and await the relief. Within Moses instructions to the people of Israel, they were admonished to apply a solution. The lamb's blood by way of dipping the hyssop branches into it and covering the doorposts. Utilizing hyssop was not strange to the people as the plant was used in rituals for ceremonial cleansing and atonement. Within an hour of crisis and survival, they were, not to, they were not told to utilize some strange ointment, concoction, or sab, but they were told to use that which was common to them, the lamb's blood, as done by the priest for the cleansing of sin and hyssop, that the blood would be applied properly and may cover the doorframe. It says something, that in a moment of angst and uncertainty, God did not command them to derive a new solution, but to adequately apply that already in place to cleanse and protect. Sometimes the wheel doesn't have to be reinvented, we just have to use what's before us. The Center for Disease Control and Healthcare Professionals have reiterated consistently, that proper cleansing of one's hands frequently and sanitation of your environment and living quarters are the best means of protection amid this outbreak. Instantaneously, thousands have flocked to convenience and grocery stores to purchase hand sanitizer and soap, gloves and masks to protect themselves from COVID-19. No stone was left unturned as aisles were quickly emptied of these seemingly where used items now turned essential. City and state governments found the time to clean, sanitize and refurbish, otherwise ignored areas of human interaction such as bus stops and train station tracks and entrances to name a few. Without hesitation, citizens relied on solutions already encouraged for daily use to survive. Growing up, my mother, inclusive of my grandparents, always commanded us to wash our hands the moment we came in the house from outside, place our dirty clothes in the hamper so they could be readily washed, hop in the shower, and cleanse our bodies thoroughly. This meant using enough soap to cover the totality of our dopos, aka our bodies, to rid of the germs, funk, and unsanitary matters we brought into the house. The commonality in all this is we must apply the solution that is already before us. Soap and water, hand sanitizer, strong cleaning products, and the more have seemingly been mainstays in black households, yet more now than ever, the consistent need to apply the solutions properly is elevated. The children of Israel understood the significance of the blood, the solution for the atonement and sacrificial purposes, just as we understand the power of Jesus' blood for our redemption at work, even in this hour. Child of God, applying the solution is just one step to surviving quarantine. Next, we must adhere to the command. Doctors Burke and Fauci have given instructions to the American people on how to properly sanitize, social distance and quarantine amid this virus. Daily news briefings are held to enlighten the public of pandemic outbreaks. Yet the attention is truly fixated on these two esteemed medical professionals, especially Dr. Fauci. We've been told to stay at least six feet from another individual, omit attending large gatherings, no more than 10 people, and more importantly, quarantine, only leaving our homes for essential needs. These are the commands to which we must adhere. Yet the reality is this is not easy. Living in a culture, society, and world where human interaction is the exchange, being confined to one's home willingly is not an easy task. No longer is it good for the survival of humanity to host large gatherings, attend a dinner party, visit relatives, or even attend church because you could place someone's health at risk unknowingly. That's the crazy thing about this virus. Its symptoms are eerily like the flu. One may lose sensory abilities like taste and smell. A light cough can intensify rapidly. And those with compromised immune systems, pre-existing conditions and or are over 60 are the most vulnerable to this virus. Therefore, for the good of humanity, we must adhere to the commands of social distancing and quarantine. But with this, I began to reflect upon the complexity of social seclusion and separation within our national and global context. We exist in a world where trade is a daily activity. We exchange goods, whether it be conversation, business deals, emotional and verbal encouragement, physical presence, or just merely supporting a friend or neighbor at life's most difficult moments. I began to dig deeper into the harshness of isolation for those who are already in prison, hospitalized, confined to a nursing or rehab facility where visitation is already limited or prohibited. I I mean, I really sat in the possible agony of enduring this thing alone while battling anxiety, depression, substance abuse, grief, or the inability to just fight. Truly, my mind kept going and stepped onto the banks of the shore of those who are high school seniors, others in the final phase of their undergraduate or like me, graduate studies who won't have a commencement ceremony, some who'd recently applied for jobs or accepted an offer that may not exist any longer the scores of those who are now laid off and unemployed and the millions uncertain about tomorrow and I could not even escape considering the families of those infected and dying across the world saints this is a reality that cannot be escaped or removed but must be endured amid quarantine therefore the question is raised how do we interact and survive Amid this crisis, Moses in verse 22 had given them the solution, but in, verse, in the B clause, he enforces the command. He tells them, none of you shall go out of the door of your house until morning. A clear indication of social distancing and quarantine for the children of Israel. States and cities across the country have instituted stay-at-home orders for the safety of residents. Schools across the country are closed and colleges and universities have resorted to online learning to complete the semester. Businesses and companies have been forced to cease daily operations with employees working from home and delivery or takeout as the only means of consumer exchange. Our daily lives and the world at large are adjusting to the command at hand. So the answer to this question of how do we interact and survive amid this crisis is quality time with family, rest from the hustle and separation from normalcy. That is the commandment that has been commenced. Surviving this looks different for everyone, yet we're all in this together. Neighbors have pitched in to ensure families and seniors have groceries. Local, local governments are taking necessary measures to prohibit the taxation of residents amid economic uncertainty. Churches have adopted, created, and/or utilized creative technological mediums to interact with their congregations to ensure hope in ministries continues. Teachers and students now interact through Zoom, FaceTime conference calls, and other methods to ensure. Your learning continues and families draw closer during this hour through conversation, Instagram challenges, and TikTok dances. While all are not adhering to the command to quarantine, there's a noticeable commitment to survive this thing together, leaving nothing left to do but await the relief. The children of Israel understood if we apply the solution and adhere to the command, our relief is sure to come. Within the 23rd verse, they are told, And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your houses to strike you. Seemingly a cause and effect exchange. Follow the prior steps and relief. A stimulus will surely be your portion. Contextually, we understand their condition. Historically, we acknowledge their reality and the practice already in place. And through faith, we too believe that relief is coming. The United States Congress on Friday, March 27th passed the largest economic stimulus bill in American history, topping two trillion dollars. Senate Republicans and Democrats engaged in a long debate, arguing over what was valid and invalid regarding meeting the needs of the people. Some stood on the side of fiscal conservatism, others balanced the scale, while many argued that there is no number too big to save the lives and supply the people with financial resources. When the bill finally uh, reached the House of Representatives, lawmakers stated their claims. Yet the words of Representative Ayanna Presley, days before the vote struck a chord with me. She wrote on Twitter, if it's a radical notion that people's lives are more important than corporate bailouts, call me radical. Saints, that's a great declaration given with magnificent poignancy. Regardless of political affiliation, most citizens have been fixated on the 24-hour news coverage of this virus, just trying to see when relief will come. They've heard the pleas of nurses and doctors. They've seen images from hospitals around the country and world. They've observed the total contracted amount, juxtaposed with the mortality stats. The signing of this bill led many to rejoice because a check, will be coming in the mail yet there are some fine details that impact our lives and prayerfully will be resolved in a manner of equity and justice nevertheless the words of representative presley still ring loud in my ear as the hope of jesus christ resonates in my soul if it's a radical notion that people's lives are more important than corporate bailouts call me radical I thank you for tuning in and to sharing the Word of God with us, and I just tell you this as I close my message. Child of God, what Representative Ayanna Presley said, that's faith actualized, embodied, and enacted. The work and life of Jesus Christ reveals unto us that life is so much more important than corporate greed and governmental destruction of human morale and longevity. That's the radical nature of Jesus' blood, which covers our doorposts, making us one body amid calamity, with the assurance that the Holy Spirit will enable, keep, and strengthen us. Therefore, it enables me to give you these words of Paul from Ephesians three sixteen through 19, as I share in this great hope. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit, and ever-changing news reports. May you be rooted in the presence of Christ within you. Knowing that the Holy Spirit will strengthen and keep us forever, enabling us to delve deeper in God's love and stand evermore upon the glory of Christ Jesus. A love that is boundless beyond human comprehension, full of God's sovereign grace and mercy that we may obtain the glorious and miraculous relief that is on the way. So now unto him who is able To do immeasurably more than we can ask or think. Now unto him who is able to go beyond our wildest imaginations. Be power. Dominion. The ability to work within us. And his glory be seen forever and ever. Amen.